0: RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. It's our Health Hacks on Monday morning here at RCR, and I'm really pleased to welcome back Dr. Emma Sanford, herbalist and ophthalmologist. Remember, Emma was on um, a few weeks ago talking about macular degeneration, and she's back here now to talk about glaucoma. Uh, Emma, nice to have you back.
1: Yay, thanks very much for inviting me back. It's, uh, It's a pleasure.
0: A lot of people got useful information from our last chat. Uh, I know that from the feedback, so that was great, and I'm sure the same will apply here. I've again a bit of skin in the game here for me, because we have glaucoma in our family, mm. and not just a few—you uh, know, quite a few. Yeah,
1: right. Okay, so more than just your dad.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's on the father's side, but many of mm. the relatives mm. have it and have had the genetic test and know about it. I haven't. Mm. Um, which is i don't know maybe i will um but uh so so we kind of know how widespread it is there and it has affected some of the family members some of the older generation before i guess that much was known about how to treat it but anyway it is what it is so yeah, I, I, i'm going to be really interested to hear what you have to say what, what do they call it is it the silent what is it the silent thief because it robs your eyesight slowly yeah, but surely, right?
1: It is. Um, generally speaking, unless you're going for screening or happen to go and see your optometrist, um, who will, you know, do your eye health check as well as check you for glasses, then, um, you know, it just creeps and creeps. So I've had so many people who have come through A&E or, you know, some other route to me and said they've suddenly gone blind. Absolute blackout. Like suddenly?
0: Like
1: yeah. But what happens is that you've got this slow creep where, and you you know, you you got that saying, the boil the frog. You put him in a, a cup of boiling hot water, he'll jump out. You put him in a cup of tepid water and you heat it up slowly. He'll go, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm all right.
0: Nothing to see then here. Then he's dead. Yes. Nothing to
1: see here, and then he's yeah. dead. So, um It's very much like that. So, you know, we are beautifully adaptive creatures. And when you lose this peripheral vision, which you use less, particularly in our modern world, you know, we're not um, being dropped on by, um, saber tooth tigers anymore. Yeah. Cause
0: you see that yeah. out of the corner of your eye kind of thing. Yeah, that's, for that's that, it. right? Yeah.
1: That's it. You know, they're picking up movement. Oh, do I need to look that way to have a look at my danger or, you know, looking for snakes on the ground? So we're very much, um, you know, focused in our central vision in our day to day lives. The central vision is where you move your eyes so that your, your words on your page. Land on that part of the retina when you're looking at facial, so it's facial recognition. That's the part of the face you you're honing that into that central area because it's more sensitive. That's where you've got your color vision. Your peripheral vision is very much about you know hunting, gathering, danger, and well,
0: more about movement, isn't it? Detecting and
1: yeah, that's right, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, in our day-to-day lives, it's very easy to adapt very slowly as this creep, 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 creep. And then you look in somebody's eye and measure the pressure, and, you know, their optic nerve is white. All you're seeing is connective tissue now because all the nerves have packed their bags and dodged out a dodge. They've been well gone, but they've not noticed they've ended up with that very tiny central island of vision. And
0: then it's puff it's just gone. well that that's how i or we but i because i used to spend a lot of time with them um knew the old man was really deteriorating because you could tell when he was driving that Mm. the the lack of peripheral vision was starting to affect the safety of his driving where and then he had to say look (laughs) it's obvious what's going on here you're going to have to stop driving um i'm sorry you know but that was the giveaway
1: yeah, that's exactly right. And that's why it can be so um, devastating because that's often the first thing you'll tell people, right? You, you really do need to give up driving because there's a legal limit as to how narrow your fields are. Well, you don't want
0: to be bowling cyclists or people walking on the side of the road because you never exactly saw them exactly what
1: you will end up doing. Those small targets like the cyclists, the children crossing the road between cars, you're not going to see them. And, you know, when you talk to people like that, you go, and now and now, should we really talk about, you know, hanging up your keys? I go, yeah, absolutely. Take
0: yeah, it. well, they don't want to have that on their hands anyway.
1: No, 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 so
0: no. you mentioned the um, optic nerve. So pressure in the eye. So what actually is going on there?
1: There's lots of things going on, and it's it's highly multifactorial. But we always focus on the eye pressure, even if the pressure is what we say is still within normal limits, because if you offload a system then it's going to make everything swim a little bit better. So even if pressure isn't your primary driver, it's an easy access point for treatment. And that's what your ophthalmologist will tell you. Right, we need to bring your pressure down. Even if you're sitting at 21 millimetres of mercury above atmospheric pressure, because obviously you've got fluid in the eye that's literally pushing out to keep the globe inflated
0: okay yeah you don't
1: have that pressure it kind of goes floppy and none of the optics work anymore so you need that pressure but you need it to be within a nice healthy range which is usually between anywhere between sort of 12 and 21 and your outliers might be 22 or 23 and that's when you're heading into what we call ocular hypertension which is you know like hypertension for your blood pressure yep Hypertension for the eye um but it's mostly that it's okay it's not causing that person a problem but some people it will become a problem and then we start calling them glaucoma because they've actually started to get damage in the nerves so the nerves are the ganglion nerves they're very fine nerves that gather information from the entire retina all the way wrap around you've got these wrap, wrap around retina that's why you can see wrap around and they all go down into one stream and they end up at the optic nerve. And then there's a 90-degree bend where they enter into the optic nerve and that's their pinch point. That's often where they are vulnerable. So they're vulnerable to the extra pressure because of that 90-degree bend and there's also a changeover in circulation and, you know, other things going on.
0: So is that does that carry all the image data?
1: Yeah, that's right. Those nerves are tracking
0: directly to your brain wow yeah um i've heard that um when you're actually looking at things if if you're to actually see them how you really saw them it's upside down out of focus and you probably wouldn't make much sense of it i don't know if this is true but there's some process in the brain that sort Mm. of um, unpicks it unscrambles it uncompresses it whatever it is and turns Mm. it into this incredibly amazingly visually rich
1: yeah 360 degree
0: 3d mind-blowing picture
1: it's utterly it's so elegant i mean of course this is one of many reasons i was attracted to oxymology in the first place so actually your your optics of your eye create uh, an image that's not only upside down but back to front and then yeah. um, everything gets swung round and swapped over, and they say, well, I'll p- take part of you and part of you, and the, the brain swap halves, and, and they put it all together again into this incredible rich tapestry, as you say, where you've also, because you've got two eyes, you've got this magnificent depth perception. So it's yeah. the horizontal gap between your two eyes, that slight mismatch of image that creates an opportunity to do a slight wraparound overlap that creates that real massive depth perception. So
0: we don't see the joint. no No, so
1: does it for us
0: why is it do we know why it's done that way because that seems like the difficult way to do it if you want to
1: yeah absolutely no evolution didn't choose um yeah she definitely chose hard basket um and let's do it um that way but um it obviously conferred enormous benefits um you know for like you said about movement perception a lot of visual processing actually goes on in the retina before it's even been kicked back to the brain right and of course your eye embryologically it's part of the brain so when the embryo develops there's a little pouch that comes out and then gets pinched off not pinched off entirely because of course it's still um, connected with the optic yeah. nerve yeah but that is the eye so it's actually embryo- embryologically it's, it's, it's basically the same as your brain. So often yeah. when, you know, I'm looking at herbs to give and what's going on, I think, right, well, if I know that something's good for the brain, it may well have a mechanism of action in the eye. And it, yeah. so it seems to be like the ginkgo. Right. So genko is famous for as being a brain herb, but it's also a vascular herb, actually. So it will help people with migraine, et cetera, because of the effect that it has on the inside line of the blood vessels. But it also has a, a role in neuroprotection, which is protecting nerves um, in glaucoma. So it's been looked at in glaucoma and there's a lot of research for glaucoma. So there is this sort of um, cross pollination and, um, you know, same, same. Between the brain and um, and the eye, and I'm
0: aware of the genetic um, you know drivers for glaucoma, um, and I'm, I'm sure there are things that you can do you know in your everyday life that increase risk, etc. So, what are the the primary causes of it? Do you have to be genetically predisposed to this, or can you just by lifestyle put yourself in the glaucoma zone?
1: You can absolutely hundred percent, and as usual sorry guys what you do counts more than your genes really because you can change the expression of your genes i know we've talked about this before but um another example is the um the BRCA gene so the BRCA gene is your sort of cancer surveillance gene and um it's famous with the breast cancer and and ovarian cancers mm. but you can modify by your diet and lifestyle the expression of that gene and therefore reduce your risk
0: Okay. It's the yes.
1: same with, you know, we talked about the alleles for AMD. It's the same for pretty much anything. So there's also – you remember I talked about my friend with retinitis pigmentosa? Uh,
0: yeah, I think I do, so, yeah.
1: Yeah, so he lost – he was pretty much heading towards, um, you know, stumbling around in a very blurred world um, by the time he was in his late mid to late 20s. Yeah, that's tough. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are – researchers, clinicians, etc., around the world who have looked at uh, diet lifestyle, particular nutrients like vitamin A to extend that period. And I remember one of them wrote in a paper that I was reading, I was absolutely blown away. And I don't think he's overstating the matter, where he said, you look after diet lifestyle and all of your macro and micronutrient profile then you can offset that point of inevitably going blind because it's your genetic disorder by 20 years
0: 20 years
1: that's not to be sniffed at. no no between being legally blind at 40 versus 60
0: you know yeah, that's a lot plus. more quality of life but, uh, wrung out of that
1: yes yes absolutely and a slower progression so that you have got that adaptive capacity and like my friend you can deal with it admirably and live your life without too much impediment.
0: In the notes, what jumped out to me like immediately was coffee. Okay. <laughs> Cause I, I like my coffee. Uh, blood mm. pressure is another thing because I've, I have uh, been a constant battle, arm wrestle with blood pressure. I mm. am over 40. Um, there is a history in the family. So I'm thinking, oh, crikey, you know, mm. I think my diet's better than it was. So where does someone like me start?
1: Right, well, if you look at those risk factors and who gets it and then divide them into, right, well, what are you born with, what are you stuck with, um, then you're not even even Stevens. You're actually mostly in the driver's seat, which is yeah. a great place to be.
0: Good to know, yeah. So,
1: you know, you can't help your genes. You can't help it if you've had an eye injury because that will increase your risk of developing glaucoma.
0: Okay. What because, sort of injury we're we talking about a, a, a bad injury or a slight injury yeah, like? no
1: any any impact to the eye can because all of the structures are quite delicate Yeah. um so i've seen quite a few of these where somebody's had a, a shuttle cock or a squash ball or oh, um yeah. just you know a, a punch up
0: yeah yeah five. got
1: their orbital floor fracture but they've also got some problems with the drainage angle of the eye and that's. Um, that's basically split away from the coating of the eye. And, you know, within a few years, they could well have glaucoma. So that's something that's also out of your control. You can't help being African, Hispanic or of Asian heritage. So all of those are higher risk um, ethnicities than being, um, you know, Caucasian or South America. How
0: do we explain that? um Is now
1: that a, i haven't, I haven't they, gone into that but no
0: no but there must be some evolutionary or kind of driver for that anyway we don't need to get it hung, no, hung up it, on it, that, it's it also
1: just, down to the structure of the eye whether they have ge- alleles for glaucoma generally i'm uncertain but the um the shallowness of the front part of the eye for Asians is a big, big factor. But that oh, would be right. closed-angle okay. glaucoma. We're kind of talking about open-angle glaucoma. But oh, even yeah. then, yeah. they have a higher risk of open-angle glaucoma. Uh-huh. Over the age of 40, yeah, if you've made it, you're not going to bother with that. You're going to go, great, I've made it to 40, um, you know, and and so on. Um, and really, everything else is kind of up for grabs. So people with diabetes have a double risk. They have a doubling of risk of developing glaucoma, so they very often go hand in hand. A lot of
0: people with diabetes in New Zealand.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. So that's a risk factor also for getting glaucoma. But as we've discussed and as Glenn's discussed, that's modifiable. That can be fixed. That can be altered. You reverse it. Yes, indeed. Yes, you can. High blood pressure, also treatable, reversible. Treatable with medications or reversible with diet and lifestyle. Yep. In most instances, you can affect that whether you get all the way and still need one med instead of five. Who knows? Everybody's different. Um, High eye pressure. So maybe that's where you're born, but it's also the way you eat, as we'll discuss shortly.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Whether you've been on long-term steroid medication.
0: Oh, okay. So
1: if you are looking at diet and lifestyle and fixing your issue that requires steroid, then you can reduce your risk of um, glaucoma as well.
0: Is that for like um, arthritis and things like that?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. But okay. it also means um, steroids that are actually directly going into the eye as well.
0: Oh, okay, I got you.
1: But that yeah. also can put the pressure up in some genetically um, responding people. Um, okay. You know, long term steroids can also cause cataracts as well. Well, will cause cataracts if you're on it long enough or in high enough doses. So, you know, that's something that you might, might decide, right, well, um, let's see if I can get off these things by addressing the root causes rather than having that as a medication. Brilliant medication, absolutely life-saving um, and disease-modifying. But, you know, ask the question if you're interested, can I do something different? Can I do yeah. something else? People who suffer from migraine, um, nearly two times increase risk of glaucoma. So That's quite big.
0: Do we know the link there between migraines? Yes,
1: Yes, that's something I'm going to talk about as far as what causes it, and that's vasospasticity. That is your blood vessels, instead of being um, open when they're told to be open and closed when they're told to be closed, they're all over the show and they respond to other things in your environment, including the stress, um, higher oxygen levels, you know, that can be a a precipitant or that's a sign that that's yep. one what you're one of those people like people with Raynaud's as well raynaud's syndrome you know when they go really white on the fingers
0: oh yes there
1: there is circulation to their fingers and it can be really you know if it goes on too long you can be looking at gangrene and losing fingertips and so on it can be yes really he's looking at their
0: fingertips right now <laughs> <laughs> They look they kind of look all right okay yeah didn't know about You're that You're
1: kind of know. you'll kind of know and again that is uh an overreactivity of the of the blood vessels yep. and interestingly that in, in in a number of studies has been shown to be present in all glaucoma patients not just the normal tension glaucomas which is what we used to think but you know you look at the nail bed and, and your your capillary flow in there, your your return after you've pressed it, it goes white and then it comes back again. Um, you know, whether you've got migraine and
0: comes back pretty quick. I've just tried it.
1: Perfect. Lovely. Good job.
0: So, you know, all
1: of those are <laughs> yeah. again then modifiable. What can I do with my diet lifestyle herbs and supplements? You know, my mental landscape, because stress is a big, big part of migraine and Rhinos. Of course there's other complexities in there as well. But anyway, look, generally Modifiable yeah. if you look hard enough, if you're looking under the right rock. Um, so, when then we get into the real true diet and lifestyle hey, it's just me making these decisions, then you've got things like lack of dietary antioxidants. Oh, we've heard that before.
0: We have. Yep.
1: High carbohydrate diet. Oh, this is a deja vu.
0: Insulin resistance.
1: And insulin resistance and what it does to the um, mesh work in the eye where it's draining. Um, you know, gut dysbiosis, that's another one. And if you're eating a high carbohydrate diet, you're going to have gut dysbiosis.
0: Well, what does that actually mean?
1: It means that you haven't got the nice balance of mostly good bacteria.
0: Oh, I get You've got you. Got an yeah.
1: overgrowth of bad bacteria, including yeast and candida. Yeah. And even pathological um, bacteria, you mm-hmm. know, like Clostridium difficile of this world. Okay. Um, as I say, your migraine and rhinos, and then your caffeine intake. But the caffeine only ca- cu- cuts in when you're already got risk factors like vasospasticity. Um, you know, with your rhinos and your. Um,
0: so it's uh, not a fundamental driver, but it ain't going to help you with everything else. It's going to no, add an the extra thing being,
1: on. Yeah, that's it. Because caffeine, and I know that we've gone a bit of a you know circuitous route, but I know that you really were focusing on the caffeine.
0: Yeah, well, anyone so would pick you up might, on that.
1: Because it's not just about that vasospasticity, whether it's going to put, put you into vasospasm and create this issue. It does for everybody, and your blood pressure can go up to up to four hours. So After, if you have a
0: yeah.
1: caffeinated coffee, your blood pressure can rise and it will last up to four hours. I've actually read up to six hours, but, you know, that's kind of the outside. Well, when
0: I was in the hospital for the heart thing and, and waiting for it, they come around, you know, with the coffee and tea tray. And they'd say, oh, coffee or tea? And I'd say to, if there was a nurse there, should I, I mean, can I, you're offering coffee and, you know, this is a heart ward and, oh, and she said, oh, no, it's it, it it's fine. It's all right. Mm. One won't hurt you. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, yes and no. And I, and, I, um, and I
0: had one every now and then. I thought, well, it must yeah. be okay if they say it's all right. But uh,
1: do you remember what that coffee tastes like? Crappy. Yeah, how many granules of um, instant coffee do you suppose might be in that cup of water?
0: Oh, I I didn't see, but uh, probably <laughs> a, 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 close to a, a a slightly heaped teaspoon, I would imagine. Oh,
1: really? Oh, okay. I'm quite surprised. Usually, it's like a quarter of a teaspoon. And you go, great! It's it's, it's Oh no, I, I never. Thing.
0: Uh, no, I just went on what what the strength felt like because it didn't actually because it's in, you know they're in urns and stuff they they, they pour them yeah. out. But yeah. I was just surprised they're offering it. Never never mind. Anyway.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. It does raise your blood pressure, and and that can be prolonged. It increases eye pressure by up to four millimeters of mercury, and that can be the difference between your ophthalmologist being happy with you or not.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. And that can
1: last up to two hours.
0: Right. Okay. And it
1: also reduces the blood flow to your eye. Well, it kind of makes sense. If you're um, vasospasming in your arterioles, in your little arteries, then less goodies is going to get to the optic nerve and, and your eye as well so that kind of ties in with that but as i say you know the great thing about coffee is it's got um some polyphenols and lots of yummy wonderful antioxidant um oh, okay so it can it.
0: The room, so that's
1: it? it so it only seems to be a problem with either if you've got a family history of glaucoma or you've got an understanding that you are one of these vasospastic people So you've got migraine, rhinos, or somehow you otherwise you respond very um, in a labile fashion. You know, you're up and down um, with you know blood flow. Mm.
0: I don't get migraines, so Mm. never had one in my life actually. Mm. Mm. Okay, all right.
1: So you know, you see now that you know you look through that um, and then you look at your risks. Think, wow, wow, wow! But actually, most of them are modifiable.
0: Yeah, that's good to know.
1: So uh, it's interesting, you know, we've, we talked yep. about dietary patterns, um, you know, with the high carbohydrate, you know, if you're in the highest quartile, so you're on anywhere from 74 to 760 grams a day. I remember 75 grams is about a piece of Vogel's bread. Yep. So that's 10 slices.
0: Gee, that, you know, between, yeah,
1: that sounds a lot. But if you think about your wheat bits in the morning and then your Sarni at lunchtime and then you know you might have a bit of bread and butter in mid afternoon before your dinner with your potatoes yeah you kind not of <laughs> heading it
0: yeah. yeah yeah it pile it 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 mounts up it adds up
1: mm. yeah and those people in that one particular study had a 50% more likely um risk of getting of developing glaucoma
0: 50% yeah okay yeah. well that's and through that's the roof why
1: it's eminently modifiable
0: yep yep okay all right. um <clears throat> there was something i was going to ask oh yeah um Sorry, I'm interrupted no that's okay um i was just thinking uh, given the age i'm at and and obviously um, i'd be curious about this is there any way of trying to understand yourself if you if you're losing that that vision i mean i'm doing the peripheral thing now i can see my hand quite a way out you know and 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 i would say that i've still got reasonable peripheral vision should people test that regularly just to see how far they can see to the side of them, because you'd soon know if if you felt it was closing in, wouldn't you?
1: Um, well no no you that's why it's oh. the silent thief, the silent vision thief so the the your best case scenario is go to your optometrist, yep. regularly, so glaucoma New Zealand suggests that if you're over forty and you haven't got a family history, every five years will do,
0: okay, uh, but that's yeah. just
1: for glaucoma, right. Um, and I would suggest that most people would generally be highly advised to go and see their optometrist for an eye health check, let alone anything else, whether you wear glasses or not, um, you know, every three years or so. Okay. Because, you know, a lot can change in that time. So the optometrist can put you on a machine that will measure your field test, do your field test in each eye separately. So the other big rub is this overlap. So you've got right eye, left eye. So one part of the brain is dealing with the, um, with the right eye and the other is the left eye. And then they basically get together, they compare notes and go, well, I've got this, I've got this. And they fill in each other's gaps. So sometimes I'll get a report of I've suddenly gone blind only because somebody's woken up with their arm over their left eye or something. And they've realised that they've lost their vision in their right eye, and you have a look and go, "This has been going on for years." Um, that's
0: that's incredible.
1: Mm, that's it because to, guess- to
0: not, no, yeah, I can see that. where the silent thief or whatever comes up. Yeah, that that would be a shocker.
1: Mm, yeah, absolutely. No, these people are extremely discombobulated by such a uh, discovery. But this this goes with any eye pathology because we happen to have two and they overlap their images, the brain fills in the gaps. So whenever yeah. I, I, I mean, you, you know, you get people to test for AMD, like we talked about before, you've got to do each eye separately, because otherwise that that brain collaboration uh, yeah, will literally you. get in your way.
0: Yeah. So,
1: you know, have I got a problem with my right eye? No, or she's all good. All right. Now, let's have a look at my left eye. So this is what the optometrists will do. They'll put you on a machine, put your chin in chin rest, put your forehead against a band. You'll have this great big white bowl and then a series of tiny little white lights will be flashed up. And you just press a button and say, yep, seen it. Yep, seen it. Yep, seen it. And they also can test if you're cheating and looking at the light.
0: You've got to fix. it. Oh, OK. Yeah. yeah. So it's
1: got to be landing on your peripheral retina and your it is your peripheral field. You don't get to cheat or at least mm. you can, but they'll know. Um, and then, you know, you've done your screening test and then there is also, um, you know, some people will look away and have lots of fixation losses. And then your test becomes a little less robust. So you can go back when you're less tired or, okay, no, I've got got the hang of that now. I'll come back next week and I'll be so much better at it. And you are. And then they can really tell whether you've lost any field areas at all. Yep. And the other way that you can do it is an OCT scan. So this is using a fine scan of the back of the eye and you can focus that scanner on the optic nerve. And you can literally see what nerve fibers have been lost. Is it nice and plump and lovely, all those beautiful salmon-colored nerves diving down into mm-hmm. the optic nerve with the blood vessels in the middle? Or you got a great big chunk out of one side? Or is it looking really, really thin? And the um, actually, I can see the connective tissue of the optic nerve instead of all those lovely nerves instead. And yeah. it will do those measurements and calculate your risk. And you have a few of those in a, in a row, you know, went every three months or go. So, and then... If, if they think that you have got glaucoma, and they'll get you in that often, and then compare those three scans and say, gee whiz, look at the last scan versus the, se- the first scan. Yeah, we can definitely see a, a change. Off you go to see your ophthalmologist and, and um, take it from there.
0: There's a point up to which you can do something about it, but I, I know there's a tipping point where basically there's no stopping, you know, the slow slide that's what happened with that you know he, beyond a certain point there was no coming back
1: yeah once you get to a state where you really are hanging on for dear life to those last few fibers that are governing that last tiny little island of vision in the middle things get really precarious so there's something called snuff out so you if you presented that late your ophthalmologist might say gee you really need to crash your pressure in your eye big time, but we can't afford to do surgery because the inflammation and trauma of surgery and sometimes that sudden pressure drop of surgery is enough to, that's it.
0: Wipe it out.
1: Wipe out. Yeah, that's it. So you get wiped out.
0: Okay. So up to um, a, a certain point, you can want to hold it where it where you find it. Is it? That-
1: absolutely, absolutely. And that is, you know, through the um, treatment that an ophthalmologist will give you, which are eye drops. Like I say, it's the most modifiable Um, thing that we can do because even if pressure isn't your prime driver just offloading pressure will help your blood vessels inflate with blood yeah it will help that pinch point as those poor nerves are you know traveling through that 90 degree angle Hmm. when they enter the optic nerve so it's kind of like offload hey it's just mechanics and plumbing right yeah you're just taking a load off yeah. So, so it's it's a really low hanging fruit for a lot of people with glaucoma, no matter what their causing causes are, whether it's just purely intraocular pressure, which it rarely is, and like I said, you know, uh, a lot of these studies that are now being done into this vascular issue, you know, we we are beginning to understand that it's pretty much there as a thing in all people with with glaucoma. Right. Yeah even if they haven't got rhinos or migraines, to prove it clinically, symptomatically. It's a
0: foundational mm. thing Yeah, in, in, yeah. In, in, in the condition.
1: Absolutely. and But the thing is, you know, just going a little bit deeper into that, that vasospasticity, and, you know, like I, talk, I talked earlier about, you know, migraine, it is modifiable. You can do something about that as well. Mm. So um, when you're on a high-carbohydrate diet, you have this background of tensor blood vessels because of insulin resistance. That's how it's driven. Yep. And you reduce that insulin resistance because you've reduced your carbohydrates. Therefore, you've reduced your need for insulin. Therefore, you've reduced your body fatigue, saying, gee, more insulin. I don't want it. I'm going to block my receptors or I'm going to take them off the front doorstep so you can't mm. see.
0: Yeah.
1: So you modify that. You modify your basal spasticity.
0: Yep.
1: However yeah. However extreme it is
0: so in 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 terms of treatment and um and what you're saying, so what, would you consider a, a mix of medication and you know other stuff like diet mm. um, and and sort of keep, try to keep your health as 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 maxed positively as possible um because most people will just rely on the medication won't they
1: and that's their choice absolutely mm. and you know i I personally. Absolutely support that. You know, my job is to um, take into account what the patient wants, what the patient can do, what they can manage to do and to educate them to what those possibilities really but are but you want
0: to give them the best shot too right and
1: it, yeah absolutely yeah i do and i say so i give them the whole nine yards and then they get to pick and choose what they want, want to do and what they're willing to do so I had one guy so he was diagnosed with glaucoma and he was basically not getting control and they wanted to do um, laser surgery on him so the laser surgery basically gives you tiny little micro traumas all around the mesh work that that starts the drainage process after the front part of the eye um, and it causes this micro trauma and what that does is it gives a bit of a wake-up call to say hey we've got to do some tidying up guys our trabecular mesh work is all gummed up it's all got you know dead cells and you know sticky Glycoamina glycans in the structures because of all the sugars I've been eating. It's a bit of a wake up shock, do a bit of a shock and all tidy up. And then you're all good to go. It kind of wears off if you don't change anything and comes back again. Anyway. So he didn't want to have this. And he asked me, look, what can he do for his eye pressures? So, um, we did all the dietary changes and I also gave him three months of herbs to keep him safe. And, um, basically give us time to work what was going to work and then he came off the herbs and the and the pressure stayed down oh great So he didn't need that laser surgery anymore yeah. so he was pretty happy chappy
0: yeah what about uh, gender do more males or more females have glaucoma is there any anything in that or is it kind of evenly distributed
1: Mostly even, but your vasospastic and the low tension glaucomas. So in other words, it's a normal eye pressure and there's all these other factors going on, particularly the vasospasticity, that is definitely more common in the women.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Particularly over a certain age. So, you know, once you get into late 50s and 60s, then you can um then that's that's going to place you more in that low tension
0: glaucoma group okay for folks listening right now and they're thinking all right this is really interesting i need to take control what do you recommend i mean you've already talked about some things but what do you recommend as a definable diet let's say to follow mm-hmm. you don't want to lose the enjoyment of food and all that sort of stuff um but you want to and you'll have other health benefits as well it's just eyes i know but um what what's what's a kind it. of a um a, a format to follow
1: yeah, absolutely. And, you know, people do struggle with a change of diet because often they'll have eaten that way all their lives, which, of course, is why they're there in the first place. Right. Um, you know, like my prostate cancer guys, he's, a, you know, I mean, one of them, he says, wheat bix and milk every day. Well, there you go, then that's you. Yeah. Um and every day for the last uh what, what did he say? 30 years, I think it was.
0: 30 years. Loyal customer of Celia. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, and I'm not here to um ruin anybody's enjoyment of of food. But um it's like a lot of things. If you try something and you you move into that, yeah, I'm prepared to evolve and change, then you can enjoy an even more nourishing and and more tasty and varied diet because Let's face it, most people, so I'm I'm a bit naughty and I say, Okay, what's your typical give me a menu for five typical breakfasts. Know full well that they'll probably have one and they might maybe have two. And then very occasionally people will tell me there's oh they vary between three different breakfasts. And yeah. that that's that's your standard. So, you know, it's like um you know, you probably pick the same coffee cup out the, out the drawer every morning. You probably slick the shower in exactly the same way. I do. You probably put your clothes on in the same order. We're very habitual creatures. I do. Right. <laughs> it's normal.
0: Yeah, hey, underwear boy, first normal. It's okay. Yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> so, you know, often that discomfort is changing that habit. And, uh, again, you know, that's what people like me, Glenn, and others in the health coaching arena, you've got to get into – Uh, not just the whys and what you're going to do, but help people do it. So, you know, um, so what I would say is a traditional diet. Again, we talked about this last time. Traditional Mediterranean is probably the closest to us in the English-speaking world and the West. Um, That's the the most known. And, Mm. you know, if you look at what that looks like on a plate, it looks amazing. It's yummy.
0: Yeah, you you want to
1: eat it. So, you know, you're off this whole uh, low-fat gig. Yeah, um, and you're on your good fats like your avocado, coconut, olive oil, uh, your nuts and seeds, mm. um, and you know eggs and animal fat, and yep. hopefully that animal fat's been organically and uh, you know free-range pastured. Yeah, because then that fat is going to contain vitamin, you know, all your fat-soluble vitamins, loads of carotenoids. You ever seen the difference between an organic chicken and a and a battery chicken?
0: Not, not that I could probably identify.
1: Right, well, the skin is yellow. The fat under the skin is yellow.
0: Ah, there you because go. Because it's
1: been hunting insects, and it's got all of those lovely carotenoids, carotenoids from the grass and other vegetables that it's been eating. Whereas if you've got a um, a battery chicken, that fat is just white, and it's got everything in it that it's been eating.
0: Mm. Which has been fed to it.
1: Yeah, which has been yeah. fed to it. Now the, which is the industrial bacteria, scale. Corn fed because they're borrowing some of the carotenoids, but, you know it's yeah. um it's got okay stuff.
0: well I'm, I'm, thanks for that i'll be looking out for that now yeah. okay
1: um and yeah. you know salad and loads of vegetables lots of nuts and seeds um you know modest amounts of fruit lots of berry fruit that's yeah. really good for your blood vessels you know that vasospasticity yeah.
0: yeah so
1: you know we often give bilberry for eye problems but we often give bilberry for Um, you know, anything that ails the vascular system. So it's really good for any cardiovascular issues as well. So it's a very strong antioxidant. Um, It decreases inflammation in your capillaries. It lowers blood glucose level for you. It decreases capillary permeability and fragility. Yeah. So I've got a lady with, um, she's got a variant, a rare variant of um, age-related macular degeneration um, that is because of, she's got tiny little um aneurysms on her okay yep. in her right at the center of her vision, see, and I put her on Ginkgo and bilberry, and they they settle down and they stop leaking, and then you know you'll want to be eating um plenty of sulfur, so that's found in eggs, yep. your uh, meat, your um brassicas, so that's your broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts bok choy of this world
0: yep know about Um, that there's
1: also lots of sulfur in um allium species so that's all your garlic leek and onion
0: okay yep Mm.
1: so there's lots and lots of sulfur and that helps you make glutathione and that is your major antioxidant um system for the eye particularly that drainage channel
0: is that why onions make you cry
1: (laughs) no it's just because they're mean and they sting
0: (laughs) Okay, is that, for, is that it pretty well for food? Because I see you've got supplements and herbs listed there and I want to get to those as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, so we haven't really talked about the gut microbiome as a oh,
0: little well, let's, let's go there. Let's so we'll talk about right, that and then we'll right right jump order. back to yeah, yeah.
1: why I've suggested this as a okay. supplement. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's something called the gut-eye axis. There's pretty much the gut-everything axis because everything yeah. starts in the gut as far as... Number one, your exposure to the world because we're eating the world and we putting it inside our bodies. so we've kind of got to face up to that fact and deal with it hmm. um, and that's all about your um your gut barrier function and your microbiome. So this yeah. is the kilos upon kilos of bacteria, viruses, and yeast that we carry in our you gut. say kilos? yeah, a couple of kilos they they imagine um Gee. for the average adult.
0: Okay, it's quite a bit. Hmm.
1: So there are more bacterial cells and, you know, cells in your microbiome than there are human cells.
0: Okay, well, that's in the trillions.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. So yep. there's there's quite a few.
0: Yeah. So you've
1: got to look after those guys. And if you look after those guys, they will look after you. They will look after your liver because you won't have a leaky gut nor all of those rubbish things and those big, big molecules finding their way to your liver. Mm-hmm. They'll be the small digested molecules like they're jolly well supposed to be. Yep. Otherwise, the liver goes, oh, I can't cope with this, and gets very unhappy. Too
0: big. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It And then it sort of floats through to the rest of the circulation and lands goodness knows where, and then that's when you get in, into autoimmunity. Right, gotcha. But you also, when you get that leak, those little bacteria can actually find their way into your circulation. Now, that's normal because, you know, the bacteria that lives on our skin is not only from the outside world, it's actually populated from our gut. They're, they've been found in the brain, they've been found in the eye, but if you've got nice gut function with, um, you know, no bloating, no flatulence, you know, you've got a normal bowel habit, you know, you're going a couple of times a day to your constitutional first thing in the morning, you haven't got constipation or diarrhoea, then you're probably going to be growing a nice gut microbiome, so anybody that escapes is not going to be too bad. But when you've got a bad microbiome or gut dysbiosis, then these little critters who are doing bad things in your gut get access to everybody in your body and they can create ocular inflammation. And that's what we also understand now is playing a role in why a good um, gut microbiome helps your glaucoma and vice versa. If you've got a bad microbiome, then your glaucoma is going to go worse. You know, it's all going to go worse. Okay. Um, So one of those bacteria is probably what our audience has heard of already before is helicobacter. Okay. H. pylori, helicobacter pylori. So that is, uh, um, that's a baddie. And it's, um, it only really starts to become an issue over the age of 40 once your stomach acid has dropped. Because it okay. doesn't like an acid environment. It doesn't it doesn't really thrive so well. Okay. So it's less able to create all of the issues which are gastrointestinal, oh indigestion, oh I don't feel very comfortable, it's been going on ages, and your increased risk of, you know, stomach cancer.
0: Okay. yeah. Hmm.
1: So H. pylori is also quite strongly associated with glaucoma risk. So that is one specific bacterium. And that's why on the your supplements list, if you're over 40. Um, you might want to consider taking apple cider vinegar capsules to acidify your stomach so that um, you kill bad bacteria that have come down the chute with, with it, yeah. with your food. Um, you are making sure that there's a fully acid environment because that's what your stomach wants, so that all of its enzymes that starts digesting your proteins, you know, that steak, you really need an acid environment to digest that Yeah, steak. for sure.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah
1: before it drops all of that stuff into your lower intestine. Now, if yeah. you have a proper yeah. job in the stomach, your lower intestine, sort of your small intestine, is going to be really unhappy. Yeah. And it's not going to be able to digest the food that it's supposed to digest at its stage because it's still dealing with what's uphill and hasn't been dealt with. So what lands in your lower intestine doesn't work for you either. So it's a really compounding effect. You put people on apple cider vinegar, a lot of their problems can disappear. Once again, not a prescription, just, you know, a bit of information.
0: I used to drink quite a bit of apple apple cider vinegar and honey mixed together.
1: Mm.
0: Only because it really tasted nice.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, but then
0: I found subsequently it was really good for you. Someone told me, oh, that's really good for you.
1: Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the The reason I suggest capsules is because if you're taking it regularly, you will dissolve your teeth.
0: All right. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, a yeah, good point. Okay. Well, that's, that's
1: not a, so good. Unless you're issue. really good and you have a good rinse afterwards. But even so, it's said that the pH of your mouth takes two hours to recover.
0: Okay, two hours. All right.
1: So, yeah, it's a little bit of a – but, you know, they're cheapest chips.
0: Yeah, the of course. Cheapest. Yeah, yeah. Um, We've got about uh, – we're coming up on time. So do we want to look at uh, quickly some of the – unless um, you've got more to say about that, some of the herbs as well, because I'm sure – Well, you mentioned a few already, but um, our listeners will recognize some of these, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I went through bilberry, and that's sort of like your top pick, and then ginkgo as well. So specifically, that increases the blood flow at the back of the eye, in fact, the whole eye. So for glaucoma, that's like, yeah, great. I can resist the pressure. I can get rid of what I need to get rid of. Everything flows better when you've got good blood flow, right? Yeah. Um, It is also an antioxidant, quite a strong one. It takes care of the inside lining of your blood vessels to make them less uh, snarky and overreactive to this whole vasospastic thing, so your your ginkgo can um, help you there as well. Gotcha. It's also good for neuroprotection. It's basically there, because of all the things that it does, it ends up being neuroprotective. So that's why people on low-tension glaucoma more often get put on ginkgo, but I would move that because... Uh, most, if not all glaucoma patients, they're, if they're high tension or low tension, otherwise high pressure or low pressure, they've all got this level of, you know, the the blood vessels not behave themselves and they're sort of spasticizing and not letting enough blood through. Hmm. Go for it. Why wouldn't you? It's pretty easy to get hold of. Yep. Turmeric is one of my favorites because it's kind of like one of those great Panacea herbs—it's is almost a cure all for everything. A bit like garlic, it's just got so much going for it. It's great for the gut; the gut loves it. The liver loves it. The microbiome loves it. Um, it's an antioxidant. It's anti-inflammatory, and you know it's got anti-proliferative properties as well. So you know, back to that AMD story um when those emergency signals nobody's listening so it just says okay well i'm going to grow my own blood vessels and they're abnormal that's a proliferation of those blood vessels right.
0: yep. so yeah anti-proliferative,
1: anti-proliferative. Yep. so it said oh yep. it's okay you don't need to go to that length don't do it
0: you <laughs> don't do it yep.
1: <laughs> and then um cannabis is another one that i wanted to um talk about yep. because this was actually brought to the west Um, by an american ophthalmologist who happened to be working in jamaica and he noticed that people who were either um consuming smoking um cannabis recreationally or otherwise or people who had made a tea out of it on a daily basis and done an eye wash that their pressures would go down so he said to a couple of his patients what are you doing that's different he said oh i'm just um you know i've got my I've got my ganja wash and the pressure had come down. So there's quite a bit of research in this area and there's quite a bit of, um, well, does does she or doesn't she? Because um, like with um, quite a few medications and um, other agents, you kind of get used to it. You get tolerant to it. So tolerance for caffeine. You know, I've got a friend who has 12 cups a day and he can go to sleep at night.
0: Goodness. Yeah, Yeah, I know
1: know, that one. Knock me off my perch. Yeah. So you adapt, you <clears throat> um and that's how people are with, with cannabis. And so, it's- so
0: it's possible to put it in everyday language, potheads, let's say, <laughs> have 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 um unwittingly been, I don't know, offsetting a risk of glaucoma here just by doing that. Is that possible?
1: Yes, it is it is one definite benefit.
0: Gee. Okay. Yeah.
1: So it will drop your um, pressure. I wouldn't suggest relying on it without doing other things. Yeah. Uh, as I say, because if you use it habitually, then the um, the effect will wear off after about a month. It was interesting though, because this guy actually brought to market the first and only ever cannabis based drop. Mm. And then it was in the nineteen eighties, I think it was, or was it nineties? It was bought by Merck and Sharp, now oh. Merck Sharp and Dom,
0: yeah,
1: and discontinued.
0: Yeah, too much of a comp- competitive... Uh,
1: yeah, could be too much of a good thing. Who knows? Product. I have no yeah. idea. Yeah. Um, they will know better than I, but, you know, just saying.
0: Yeah, well, I, I've heard that that one before.
1: That's a good line, Paul. I like it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, is there anything else that we need to know?
1: Um. No, you know, there's some weird and wonderfuls, you know, like saffron, on um, Q10, and you know certain vitamins um within food, but you know if you're eating a good diet, you're going to get all of those anyway, uh, and right. just look after your mitochondria. so this is the the final step. you know the code q ten why that helps with glaucoma is because you're helping your mitochondria. so these are little power cells, powerhouses yeah. within cells that literally take in the fatty acids and break them down to release the energy from the bonds to give you energy. That's your metabolic yeah. energy. they also break down sugars, but they're a heck of a lot happier burning fat than they are burning sugars. They are far more efficient and their cell membranes, their their, uh, mitochondrial membranes, where all the great stuff happens, those have got a lot more strength and resilience. When you're on a high carbohydrate diet, probably part of the reason that you feel chronically fatigued and don't sleep well either, is because your mitochondria are not functioning well. You're not being very nice to them. So they love phytonutrients, they love fat, and you know they love sleep because that's melatonin they do really well on a lot of that and they generally do well on a traditional diet because the omega-3s are incorporated into their membranes and they function better so by looking after your mitochondrial health by looking after your diet you're also looking after your glaucoma and you shouldn't need to take coenzyme q10 hopefully
0: there you go (laughs) well as always really interesting Thank you for that, Dr. Emma Sanford, herbalist and ophthalmologist. And if anyone's got any concern, I mean, you want to stay healthy anyway, but if you have to sort of uh, um, get into action and and, and deal with the the issue, better sooner than later, right?
1: Absolutely. So I would say first portal call is always your optometrist, which is your high street optometrist
0: because they do
1: fantastic eye health checks. Find out what's going on, get your information. If you don't know what to do, you need more information.
0: So yeah, optometrists in- first, then you go yeah. Yeah, to the guns it. after that. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. And they can say, yes, you definitely have got glaucoma, you have yeah. already got damage, or no, you've got some high pressures, but we'll just watch you, Yeah, uh, and they'll watch you with the field test, they'll watch you with the optic nerve head OCT, hopefully. And, yep. you know, please do ask because it's not always done. It's not done routinely, but yep. that's much more definitive because you can make so many mistakes on your field test. You know, you're tired one day, you don't perform so well. Suddenly your field test looks shocking.
0: L- look at the nerve, um, right? Look, at, that, yeah, look at the
1: nerve. Look at the nerve. And yeah. then think about, right, what can I do? Yeah. Um, and there's a heck of a
0: lot. Okay. If people want to get in touch or find out more, is there, did I ask you that last time? Is there some place to go?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you can go to my website, which is the w'snourishinglife.co.nz. Oh, that's right. And my email is info at nourishinglife.co.nz.
0: Thanks. Emma, thanks for coming on again. Oh, you're welcome. It's always fun. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.